everybody. Welcome to the Use Guys in That Podcast. I am uh, one of your hosts. I'm not in charge. The lady over there is in charge. And we're all very fortunate to have her in charge now, aren't we? And proud we are of all of them. Um, as um, what, Who said that? Um, Maude Lebowski from The Big Lebowski. Yeah, about the urban achievers. Mm-hmm. Yes, and proud we are of all of them. Um, we're proud of Angel. She's in charge. She's the boss. I work here for free. I uh, want to talk to you about agorasnexus.com, uh, one of the official sponsors of the Use Guys in That podcast. Please check them out if you're a free thinker. You're looking to get into many different subjects, different things. There's a lot of free stuff on there. There's stuff that you're going to have to pay for if you're really down. But if you really are interested, it'll be worth your time and your money. And most of them accept cryptocurrency. So that's pretty rad, too. So check them out, agorasnexus.com, our friends. So. I've been on a little bit of a kick here, and unfortunately, I've dragged my beloved friends with me. Uh, they don't really kicking and screaming, mind you. My yes, by... is this World War One? <laughs> no, no, shh. <laughs> We've moved past that. Okay, sorry. We'll revisit that at a later date. Right now, we've moved on to. So, uh, I've been hawking this book, and I should get royalties from all of these authors that I have suggested to use to read. And of course, it's uh, The Devil's Chessboard, which I had to rewind several times because I'm an audiobook guy. So I'm constantly rewinding the book. They're like, did he really just say that? What did he say? Who was there? What is happening? Who, who was in Dallas when John Kennedy had his head blown off? Are you fucking kidding me? Guys, I'm telling you, you got to read that book. You got to listen to the book. You got to get into it. So I've gone down a deep, deep rabbit hole. And then I was talking to the boss over there because I have to get approval for these things. It's not just the rubber stamp, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't the Senate. <laughs> um, I have to get approval for these topics to be brought forward on this show. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about like how evil the CIA is, right? And uh, the CIA has some very, very interesting roots that... Uh, you know, we're going to explain for st- I know that there's lots of other shows that have covered this topic, but you're here because you're here for uh, the information and the comedic relief, I'm sure, along with Gay Soap, which we will get to later. Uh, but um, so for those of you that are not familiar, there was an organization that was created in 1942 called the Office of Strategic Services. Those of you that are gamers, if you've ever played any of the newer Wolfenstein games, um, you don't remember the old Wolfenstein 3D or what have you, but the major character works for an organization that's loosely named after the OSS. So this is like before there is no CIA. CIA was uh, created by uh, Harry Truman. Okay. So what was going on during World War II was the United States government was like, you know, God damn it, we have to rely on the British who had the most extensive and the best spy network on the planet. Um, as some historians will probably still argue with you if you say that they still do. They'll say that they still do. Some do, some don't. Um, I think it's pretty obvious who the uh, the um, undisputed heavyweight champ of world fuckery is, and it's in uh, Langley, Virginia, not in London. Uh, but I will say that um, that they did a great job of putting this together in the middle of a war. So you have strategic services, and it was created because that there was a lack of like really competent American intelligence organizations. So you had army intelligence, you had navy intelligence, but you didn't have any kind of central apparatus to get information and most of the information again was fed to them through british intelligence like mi6 for example like secret intelligence um service i think it's called so uh you know with that they were like okay we're going to create our organization our own organization that we don't have to be reliant on our allies to get us information to get it directly 
Okay, so they did a lot of propaganda, a lot of subversion, uh, post-war planning was definitely in it. So, you know, they created this organization and it was William J. Donovan who was like the head of it. And there was a lot of tentacles in it, like OSS missions, bases they had them in East Asia. There was also activity that took place um, in the Balkans, courtesy of the OSS. If you're thinking weapons for French resistance, that's definitely part of what um, the OSS was up to, right? So you have that, and then it was uh, they eventually were dissolved in 1945, and then the Central Intelligence Agency was created by the National Security Act, excuse me, Security Act of 1947. I have to be consistent with my pronunciation. So the National Security Act of 1947 created the Central Intelligence Agency. So this is what happened before that. Now, the CIA has murdered John Kennedy. We know that much, okay? Uh, this is not a secret. They also killed Bobby Kennedy, but we already talked a little bit about that, and there's JFK podcasts out there, too. I don't want to step on their toes, not that I really care, but if you really want to go deep, like, I'd have to have you over to my house, and I'd be the guy with the corkboard with the string connecting photographs and, you know, pieces of toilet paper that I couldn't, I didn't have a notebook while I was taking a poop. So I had to write it down on toilet paper because my mind is going crazy. There are so many different things that are connecting <laughs> all of those events. Again, the devil's chessboard will put all of those pieces together for you. And I don't think you'll ever see things the same way. So with that, so let's get into this. So World War II, those of you I'm sure are familiar with uh, the Second World War, or at least should be by this point in your life, uh, happened um, uh, after World War I, obviously. I'm just being, you know, making sure that you understand that there's a natural progression in, in the numerical order of these global conflicts. <laughs> so we have World War II, which pitches the United States of America and Great Britain and the Republic of China against, you know, Germany, Hungary, the Italians kind of switch sides in the middle of it when they're getting their asses flogged. Um, and they're like, oh, excuse, uh, I guess we like a United States again. Benito Mussolini is not so good. Uh, we like you now. And then they fought on the, on the side of the United States. Mussolini establishes this shitty little social, it's called the Italian Social Republic, which absolutely meant nothing because it was controlled by the Nazis. And then, of course, the Nazis, their great allies, which took, now just think about this for a second. The Germans, who are renowned for making cars, genocide, and awesome firearms, you know, potentially to commit those uh, massive uh, genocides. Think about this. So they're fighting the Soviet Union in the East. They're fighting the United States and Great Britain in Italy. Then they're fighting the United States, Great Britain, some French guys. We'll give, it, we'll give them credit where credit's due because the Gaul was there or what have you. And... Uh, the, the Canadians in, in the north of France. And then they, we also fought them, and by we, I mean them. The United States and our allies fought them in North Africa, right? And the Germans are kind of like, you know, they're kind of playing naked twister in olive oil, man. They're like sliding all over the board and they're trying to go, oh shit, we gotta go over here. And they're like, oh, we gotta go over there. And then they're getting squeezed, right? And eventually, as you well know, because we're speaking English right now, that uh, they didn't win, okay? They didn't win. The, uh, the Russians, or the, excuse me, the Soviet Union occupied the eastern portion of, of Europe. So you're thinking Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Poland, what used to be East Prussia and Pomerania, all the way down to Bulgaria and uh, uh, what is it? Um, Ukraine, of course, who could forget? And uh, East Germany, right? Mm -hmm. So 
we as the united states of america i have to try to forget the united states government is like well fuck you know these nazis are really bad we know that they've done some naughty things you know like killing six million people um uh, just a reminder though but a reminder the soviet union killed seven million in one year the germans actually took like six years to kill that number so i mean as far as efficiencies the soviet union is far more efficient at murdering people but so what are we going to do with all this talent right because the british are dodging these rockets right you had the v1 buzz bomb then you had the v2 rockets right Mm mm-hmm and what was it like Annie Applebaum or not Annie Applebaum? What's the name of the lady that does Operation Paperclip? She was on Rogan's show. They, they talked about hanging the slowest Jews. Ava, bon, Ava Von Braun or something. No, or... No, that's Hitler's girlfriend. Oh, shit. That's OK. That's Hitler's girlfriend. No, she oh definitely did not write a book. Okay. Ava did not write a book. She ate a bullet. And I don't blame her because if you had to be fucking with that guy. That's pretty gross. Um, so like. You know, Werner von Braun, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with this organization called NASA. Annie Jacobson. That's her. She wrote Operation Paperclip, uh, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. Yeah, my dog ate it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He w- he decided to, I, I got it as a nice gift from Jay and my dog ate it. Your yeah. dog ate your homework? Yeah, literally. He, he literally <laughs> ate the book and destroyed it. <laughs> he's destroying evidence, and he's yeah. a Russian. <laughs> I was, I, I, he is a Russian, that son of a bitch. <laughs> he's a KGB well, sleeper. <laughs> I guess so, man. So this um, this gentleman you've I'm sure you've heard, all heard of is Werner von Braun, <laughs> who is credited for doing the massive amount of work because of the V2 rocket program. And the advanced technology. Remember, the Germans were also the first people to put a jet aircraft into combat in war. It was called the uh, Messerschmitt 262. And it was so fast that American bomber crews could barely follow it while they were watching it. There was one of those, what is it called? V- uh, Wunderwaffen, Wonder Weapons. They were like, okay, we're, this awesome technology is going to help us win the war. It didn't. It was far too late in production. They didn't make enough of them. And whatever was left of Germany was you know, pretty much ashes by the time they started making an impact. But the uh, the United States of America was like, you know something? If we don't get these Jew-hating fucks, the Soviet Union is going to get those Jew-hating fucks. And then we're going to be in a heap of shit because they're going to have the best rocket scientists and they're going to be able to figure things out. Now, mind you, the United States of America had the trump card when it came to the atomic uh, bomb. In 1945, there was no the, the so like the Rosenbergs didn't get the secrets out until later, so they were still at the top of the heap. But now you're talking about delivery systems because at the time, what how did we how did the United States bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki from the air from an airplane? Okay, when you can attach these warheads to rockets, which is what we use now, I would say is a far uh, it, it gives you a greater advantage, almost like a force multiplier multiplier, right? Because now you're not putting aircraft in the air that could be subject to attack you're literally sending it into space and then dropping it on the target it's very yeah hard and beat. there's no people that get shot down there's no loss of life from your side potentially that's right, that's right. it's like the uavs and drones that we have today I was, yeah i was just right. getting ready to say like like the the drone it's our modern day wunderwaffen well yeah because you can control it better than an inter than like an icbm you have a joystick it's literally like playing a video game yeah mm-hmm. exactly so with Operation Paperclip, it was, I believe that this information wasn't revealed until uh, fairly recently that this happened. 
right? So it was a secret uh, intelligence program that brought like about 1,500 or more German uh, scientists, engineers, and technicians uh, from Nazi Germany and put them to work for the United States government at the conclusion of the Second World War. Um, they, they, by 1960, the operation had ended, I'm pretty sure. So there's a wonderful picture if you guys ever want to look at. It's I, The guy can't believe his luck, I'm sure. So in, a, in this picture, this is like at the future Kennedy Space Center. This is before John Kennedy was murdered by the government. So you have Lyndon Johnson, who I'm sure had a hand in it. Um, and then you have John Kennedy sitting at the, at, you know, at the head of the table because, you know, he's the boss. And then there's some Air Force general to his left hand side. Right. So he's he's sitting there next to Kurt Davis. And if you don't know who Kurt Davis is, the dude has a scar on his face. He's literally a Nazi sitting next to the president of the United States at NASA as they're conducting these um, these um, these tests or, you know, getting the, uh, the, the the space program off off the ground, literally. So you have a Nazi scientist sitting next to the president of the United States and the vice president, like sandwiched between Johnson and Kennedy is this fucking Nazi. It is the wildest picture. That's it right there. <laughs> Nazi sitting It's in color. Oh my God. What a and, country. Uh, apparently you can tell he's a Nazi because of the scar on the side of his face because apparently they would um you know joust or well not fence. joust but fence. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. I don't know why I say joust. That's okay. Fence without the tip on. And these scars were considered to be like, you know, manly or I don't like know, like a badge of honor, yeah, sort something of. to like brag about. And so right. like all of the Nazis like have this scar on this side of their face. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is like anything that inspired Quentin Tarantino with Inglorious Bastards, like the carving of the swastika into their forehead? So it's like, oh, that's how you can literally tell. Never thought of that. I mean, that's possible, I guess. I'm not I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. But yeah, you could tell like this is how I get the the SS would, would would compete with each other. And, you know, there's photographs of how gruesome some of these. And again, if you want to see more, Rogan does a, the podcast with uh, that lady that Angel looked up that uh, from the book that the dog ate. Um, I can never remember. Annie Jacobson. Yes. Annie Jacobson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they show the pictures of these SS guys with like mutilated faces from. You know, they never hit the eyes because they had these goggles on while they were jousting. Not like, jousting, fencing. fencing. Now that now yeah. that word's See, now you're head. saying it. Jousting is pretty rad, though, right? You know what I always wanted to do? Like, get a jousting league where you get on a bicycle and you have the jousting stick and a shield. So you, you, you can ride, ride at full speed and try to unseat the person on the bicycle. The only downside is you could potentially stab somebody in the throat. But you know what? No risk, no reward. So, you know, if you guys are interested, let me know. I'd, be, I'd love to do that. I think that would be a lot of fun. We could get some scooters and do it. You could do that. Just like Brian says, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. So, mm -hmm. uh, so basically to narrow this down a little bit. So this individual was a Nazi rocket scientist who was uh, part of uh, who was also responsible for getting uh, the rocket program off the ground, the NASA, you know, Kennedy's push to go to the moon. So the Germans had their mark on that now the next guy that we're going to talk about who is um well i mean just so you let you know like davis also won massive amounts of awards i'm going to go through them real quick okay these are not from germany these are from the united states of america okay the 1969 national space hall of fame 
1967 Split Space Flight Award, 1971 Commander's Cross of the Order of Merit, uh, the AIAA Fellow in uh, 1971, 1969 NASA Distinguished Service Medal, the, the Lewis W. Hill Space Transportation Award, the Outstanding Achievement Award granted by the U.S. Treasury, along with the Patriotic Service Award by, granted by the U.S. Treasury, Outstanding Leadership Award granted by NASA, and Exceptional Civilian Medal from the United States Army, and a few other ones. So these are not decorations that were awarded by his Fuhrer. They were awarded by the Fuhrer of the United States. So that's great. That's wonderful. So I hope everybody's happy with that. Uh, uh, congratulations to the so United States of America. So what did this guy do prior to him coming over to the U.S. and He was in, okay, so the when I talked about the V-1 buzz bombs and the V-2 rockets, you're familiar with the V-2 rockets, right? Yes. They they, they were trying to terrorize London. They, they hit London several times. With the, in, in fact, the, B, the, the buzz bombs were the smaller ones that were rocket propelled. It was like a bomb that was rocket propelled, okay? okay. It doesn't look like a rocket. Yeah, I've seen In them. the traditional yeah, sense. It I've... has wings. And they were they were flying that in, but the V two was much more advanced, mm-hmm. and they were hammering London with these rockets. And once again, these were the wonder weapons that were going to try to you know turn the tide of war in their favor. This man worked on this project. He was appointed by Hitler himself as the V Web Weapons Flight Test Director and actively engaged in rocket research program at uh, Pinamunde and the development of the V two rocket. He led the test stand group personnel at that base and was the engineer in charge at test stand number seven Hmm. so he was definitely balls deep in hitler's program yeah and he's sitting next to the vice president president of the united states i love that picture i can never get enough of that it just says everything that everything you need to be said about the government that's the picture you need to look at Mm -hmm. you got that up in one nice oh well it's literally like yeah sure he sure he worked for the nazis but it's like they then I'm guessing through the uh, the lens of pragmatism, they're like, this guy's a mercenary. It doesn't matter who he worked for because now he's working for us. Mm. But it's like, if you were able to take him from the Nazis, it's like someone's definitely able to buy him from you if they offer a better price. Like everyone allegedly has a price, right? Well, mm. I mean, like at the time though, to be fair, like the choices they weren't going to go to the Russians. Oh yeah, that's You fair. know what I mean? And so like, you know, the US and A, didn't really want them to go to the russians because then the russians would have that technology versus us i mean could you, you imagine if they got the top yeah. scientists do you well, think that like the russians would have had just as much interest in keeping them alive or do you think the russians would have just murdered a lot more of them before using them like do you think it was only because the united states started snatching people up that the russians took whatever was left or like how i guess the timeline's a little blurry for me on this no, there, there's an extensive list also. There were several, not only did the United States do this, but the British did this as well. And right. the Soviet Union did the same thing. In fact, the Soviet Union is part of war reparations. Okay. Took entire factories brick by brick and moved them to the Soviet Union. And oh, there's an God. entire list of Nazis that they got a hold of that they employed in the service of the state. So they literally don't even, it's like hungry, hungry hippos fighting over resources. They don't even really care necessarily that it was like giant human rights violations and humanitarian crisis. It's just like, how do we get our hands on all of that shit instead of them having it? Like, cause we're basically doing the same thing to people. It's just less direct and not as visible. 
but it's like, yeah, we just didn't like them because they had all the cool shit and we want it. We don't even care that they're murdering people necessarily. No, no, that's they also knew about the existence of Auschwitz during the war and they didn't. Oh, yeah. Anything but about it's like, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. No hurry, right. you know, like no rush. Um, oh, my God. Just I want to read something uh, for use. Uh, this is from the Institute for Policy Studies, a periodical of great note in the political science field. And this originally was published on the 1st of May, May Day. 2001 before the excrement hit the air conditioning in September of that year. So it goes by, it starts, quote, honest and idealist, enjoys good food and wine, unprejudiced mind, end quote. That's how a 1972 Central Intelligence Agency assessment described Nazi ideologue Emil Augsburg, an officer at the infamous uh, Vansi Institute, the SS think tank involved in planning the final solution, which for those of you who are not familiar with that is, it's the extermination of 6 million Jews during the Holocaust. Just in case you weren't familiar what the final solution is, okay? We're not talking about solving a puzzle in Tetris. We're talking about 6 million human beings. But I continue. Augsburg's SS unit performed, quote, special duties a euphemism for exterminating Jews and other undesirables during the Second World War. I'm going to read that quote again. Honest and idealist, enjoys good food and wine, unprejudiced mind. That's what the CIA said. Unprejudiced mind. Chef's kiss. So what kind of unprejudiced minds we got over at the CIA, huh? Oh, the creme de la creme, my friend. Um, (laughs) Although he was wanted in Poland for war crimes. Funny, because that's where Auschwitz is located. Hmm. Um, Augsburg managed to ingratiate himself with the U.S. CIA, which employed him in the late 1940s as an expert on Soviet affairs. Recently released CIA records indicate that Augsburg was among a rogues gallery of Nazi war criminals recruited by U.S. intelligence agencies shortly after Germany's surrender to the Allies. Pried loose by, by Congress, which passed the Nazi War Crimes Disclosure Act three years ago, so that makes it 1998. By the way, a broken clock is right twice a day. A long-hidden trove of once-classified CIA documents confirms one of the worst-kept secrets of the Cold War. The CIA used an extensive Nazi spy network to wage a clandestine war against the Soviet Union. The CIA reports show that U.S. officials knew they were subsidizing numerous Third Reich veterans who had committed horrible war crimes against humanity. But these atrocities were overlooked as the anti-communist crusade acquired its own momentum. For Nazis who were otherwise who would otherwise be charged with war crimes, signing on with American intelligence enabled them to avoid a prison term. Gee, hey, uh, you know, um, Reinhard, what were you doing during the war? Uh, well, um, you know, the Jews who are not human, I was putting them in the oven, and uh, then we uh, we uh, get rid of the ashes, and then uh, it's about twenty thousand a day. We are killing them uh, very methodically. Um, would you like to be tried for war crimes? No, I would like not. To be, <laughs> I would like to abo- avoid the hanging at Nuremberg. I, I've never liked the West. Uh, that, you know, there's Nuremberg. I, I never like going there for the party rally anyway. Um, I think of Virginia sounds very nice. Well, that's great. You're hired. I don't care how many Jews you killed. This is what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. This is who in charge of your fuck uh, of your security force. This isn't in charge. This is a part of your government. For the greater good, though, right? Like, they're at least acting on behalf of the greater good. For the greater good. <laughs> like, words that tyrants speak. Oh, my, you're not kidding. I mean, and the thing is, is if it doesn't start right, 
it's never going to be right. That's something that's always stuck with me. If you start something and with nefarious intentions or it just it, it wasn't something that should have been done, it's never going to be okay. It's never going to end well. It's never going to be all right. This didn't start all right. So right out the gate, Alan Dulles, who was responsible for the murder of John Kennedy in this, uh, November of 1963 in Dallas, Texas, he's hiring Nazis. Now, some of you may be familiar with Operation Paperclip. Maybe you weren't familiar with um, Operation Sunrise, which was, this was excellent. So like I was telling you before, the Italians who had decided that they had had enough of fighting uh, on the side of Germany due to the unmitigated ass kicking that they were receiving, they said, Mamma Mia, Pizza Mia, we got to switch sides. We're going to be with the Americans now and the allies, which was a solid choice, in my opinion, because, I mean, the other option is, is, is really dirty. In fact, you know what's interesting? I hate Jonah Goldberg. I think he's a real fuckhead. He wrote a book called Liberal Fascism, which is the only thing he's ever done well. He does document pretty well in that book. He makes an excellent case, which if I was to go for a PhD, I would definitely consider it as one of my thesis uh, options for a thesis, excuse me, which is to make the argument that fascism is actually more on the left than it is the right. Uh, the idea that authoritarianism is solely on the right is such a misconstrued conception of the political spectrum, which acts much more like a horseshoe than it does a straight line. Okay, what the argument is here is that during uh, during fascist Italy, prior to the Germans occupying Italy, which is what happened when they uh, signed an armistice with the Western powers and switched teams, they became occupied. So prior to that, even the head of the fascist party, according to uh, the Goldberg's book, and mind you, I, I read this about eight years ago, so I'm, I'm pulling some cobwebs out of there to make sure that I get uh, a clear idea. The head of the fascist party during Mussolini's time was a Jew. So they weren't anti-Semitic by trade. That was more national socialism from Germany. That wasn't necessarily fascism and anti-Semitism could be mutually exclusive. Okay. Do they sometimes combine? Yeah, they sure do. I also find it funny that a party called the National Socialist German Workers Party is a far right organization. I find that hilarious. You should look at their 25 points that they have available online from nationalsocialistmovement.org. You should see their 25 points. Okay. They're very, very, um, for white people, you know, and you're if you're a lefty and and and, and a white person, you're going to benefit very well from it. I mean, healthcare from cradle to the grave, a a vast welfare system. It definitely doesn't sound like free market economics whatsoever. But I digress. Check it out for yourself if you don't believe me. So at the end of this, so as the Germans are like staring defeat in the face, this guy named Karl Wolf with two F's is like. You know, I'd like to make a deal with the United States of America, which most of these Nazis tried to do. In fact, you can see uh, if you go on YouTube, watch the German army crossing bridges that have been destroyed by bombers, like literally climbing on the tops of these because that's the only thing sticking out of the water while the Soviet ar the Red Army is behind them chasing them. And the American army is just standing on the other bank of the river, like not shooting at them because they know exactly what they're doing. They're running away from the devil. The devil's running away from the devil because surrendering to the United States means you're not going to freeze to death, hungry and emaciated in Siberia. You know, it is a better option if you're one of them. I don't blame them. Uh, definitely, you know, there are levels to this, right? There's levels to how the depravity can go. And definitely the Soviet Union is probably a solid silver medal 
uh, winner in the depravity games of the 20th century, of course. First place going to Mao Zedong and the 60 million people he killed in communist China. But I digress. So Carl Wolf is like, I'm going to get in touch with, get, put some feelers out there. It's in this book. It, Brian should know this already. It's in the book where he reaches out through Switzerland to Alan Dulles, who was in Switzerland during the war. And he had all of these intelligence feelers out with the Germans because the way they were seeing the world was they're like, we're going to have to co-opt whatever the Nazis had to establish spy rings in Europe. What honestly, and if you don't mind me interjecting Go ahead, here, please. what honestly blew my mind though, and they talk about in the book is like, everybody knew Alan Dulles was there. Like they didn't, like he was, op- he was operating in open air in front of everybody. And everybody was like, kind of just letting it happen because at the very least they were just completely baffled. They're like, what is this guy doing? Like, he doesn't care who sees him. He nope. doesn't care what we think. And they were honestly, it's like that scene in Band of Brothers when like it's the Battle of the Bulge and the like I think it's like Donnie Wahlberg like runs across the German line, grabs something and runs back. And all the Germans literally just stop shooting because they're so dumbfounded at what he just did that they can't even shoot at him. And it's like the same mentality. They're like, I am so baffled by the audacity of this man mm-hmm. that it's like my very reaction to this that is making this work. They had every ability, opportunity, means, motive, opportunity. They had it all to stop him. And they were so flabbergasted that they did it. And that's just like one part of it. I'm sure there's a ton of other reasons, but it's just amazing to sit here and read in this book. And like, not even, it's like, this is a thick ass book. This is like the first 10 pages that they're covering this. And it's already the most unbelievable thing that I've ever read. Yep. And it's just as you go, it's literally like peeling back layers of the world's biggest, smelliest onion. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it honestly blows my mind. I so like that. It's, it's a great book. I am like, I still have so much of it left. But like, just even that early on, it's fascinating. Yeah, I might actually stop reading C. Wright Mills uh, book and just go back to that and review it. But uh, that... I don't exactly want to do that because then I feel like I'm just going to keep re-listening to the book and I'm going to get crazier and crazier. And Dude, get, all- the, get the physical copy and take some notes so that way you can just look back instead of having to rewind all the way back. Like- yeah, do you know how hard it is to take notes when I have to like, it's like, cause you can hit a button for like, you know, to take notes. Yeah. You're also driving a motor vehicle and I actually don't want to hurt anybody or crash the car. No. Uh, so that's, that's a poor idea. So I try to keep, every, remember everything and then write it down, which fails miserably because by the time I get to work, I'm angry and I, <laughs> there's shit waiting for me to do immediately. But um, so to let you know, Operation Sunrise uh, was so, it was such an egregious act by Alan Dulles that um, it almost broke the alliance between uh, Soviet Russia and the United States. So this was a se- almost a separate piece. It could be defined and looked at that way between the Germans and the United States for surrendering in northern Italy. Um, this General Karl Wolf, okay, listen to this guy. He was um, his, his chief personal staff, Reichsführer SS to Heinrich Himmler, uh, and an SS liaison to Adolf Hitler until his replacement in 1943. This is who Alan Dulles was going to negotiate with to get the surrender so that this dude could come over to the United States of America. What a wonderful thing Alan Dulles was up to, eh? A picturesque, picture-perfect American patriot thinking about the future. But this is good. Next, next, we have this, my favorite name, Reinhard. I mean, maybe it's because it has the word hard in it. I'm not so sure because like, oh, it's, that's hard over there. 
That's Mr. Hard. Uh, Reinhard Gellin uh, is a German lieutenant general and an intelligence officer, right? Mm-hmm. He became uh, a professional soldier during the Weimar Republic, but then he was um, the chief of the FHO, the German Army's military in- intelligence unit on the Eastern Front. Just in case you guys are wondering, most of the um, most of the deaths happened on the Eastern Front during the World War II by an order of magnitude that's not comparable. Like it was an absolute bloodbath. If you want to read more about it, it's called um, um, what is it? What was the name of the book? The Forgotten Soldier by Guy Sager. I've recommended that before. You really want to get a taste of what it was like over there. And I don't think there's anything that we'll ever thank goodness experience, but it was awful. So that's the majority. So. The Nazis were very active in Eastern Europe because of, what is it, Lebensraum, where it's living space for uh, ethnic Germans by removing, you know, the people that live there. Slavs, Jews, these, quote, undesirables to the Reich. That's what this guy was involved with, okay? So, uh, as the war concludes, all right, (laughs) the United States of America hires him. So at the start of the Cold War, U.S. military G2 intelligence recruited him to establish the Gellin Organization, an espionage network against the Soviet Union, which employed former military officers of the Wehrmacht and former intelligence officers of the Schutzstaffel, which if you don't know what that means, it's the SS, okay? As head of the Gellin Organization, he sought uh, cooperation with the Central Intelligence Agency, and the Gellin Organization eventually became a close affiliate of the cia okay so the gellin organization did a lot of stuff to set up these networks of spies in eastern europe so they were interviewed by uh, so between 47 and 55 agents of the organization uh, interviewed every german pow who t- returned to west germany from captivity in the soviet union the network employed hundreds of former wehrmacht and ss officers and also had close contacts with anti-communist organizations of the Eastern European emigre communities in Western Europe. They observed operations of the railroad systems, airfields, and ports of the USSR, and their secret agents infiltrated the Baltic Soviet Republics and Ukrainian SSR. Among their successful, uh, among their success, excuse me, was Operation Bohemia, a major effort of anti-communist counter-espionage. So, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, I guess, is the gist that you can get from cia right that's kind of what we're looking at but the um the war crime stuff is like annie jacobson talks about how they literally pulled nazis off the docket at nuremberg like or literally you get the tap on the shoulder and they haul you off and you went to work for the united states government i don't know how we could take any of them like i didn't take them seriously before we definitely shouldn't take them seriously at all especially when they're willing to consort with such vile scum and villainy as Obi-Wan said in episode four. So um, what do you guys think about that? Is it justified? Like, let's put aside the black flag for a second. Let's put it aside. It's a hard one to do. I understand. Mm -hmm. I understand. I get it. But this is an experiment. Do you think it's justified? Do you think that this was the right move? Because a lot of people will tell you, and here's the point that I made with Angel before, guys. So like, oh, well, we needed them for the space race against the Soviet. Well, the Soviets were winning the space race even after we took the the Nazi scientists. Yuri Gagarin. Yuri Gagarin was the first man in space. Mm -hmm. He didn't play for the United States of America. He played for the Soviet Union. Okay. So, yes, do we owe Werner von Braun and and NASA and all these other um, agents that he took over with him 
for the Apollo program, there's a direct link. Yes, we, we can establish that. We have established that. Is it justifiable? What do you think, Angel? Well, so I, I'm very good at this because I always think, well, what would I do? If I were the United States government, mm -hmm. I would do exactly what they did. I would take all of the smartest people and everybody that I could get a hold of. Yeah and bring them on over mm -hmm. i mean obviously that's a no-brainer like i know it's it's probably not you know okay but if i was the united states government that's what i would do so well you said what would you do? so that's what you would do if you were the united states government but what if it was like up to you like the government came to you and we're like what personally would you do what personally would i do i yeah, wouldn't like i wouldn't have an association with them no Okay. Okay. All right. It's easy to sit here and say that, but you know how you know when the pressure of the state is upon you, it, it definitely changes things. Christopher, what do you think? I mean, it's a bit of a moral conundrum because they definitely, you know, we're good scientists or rocket scientists, if you will. But yes, I wouldn't want to associate with nazis that's i mean <laughs> I, I i don't i guess i my answer probably sounds brutal and tyrannical like if i had to throw the black flag aside i'd round them up and execute them <laughs> I, I don't think and then and then, and then no but and then nobody gets them <laughs> nobody's so. going to space bitch yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no i i it's you know, you guys know, you know, about my 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 mother's side of the family. Uh, one of my relatives was a guest of the German government in one of these camps that was giving out free tattoos and she happened to survive. So I'm um, free. Tattoos. Yeah, free tattoos and all the work that you could fucking muster and with as little food as possible in the worst conditions ever. Yeah. Um, she's a Holocaust survivor. You guys, I'm trying to make light of something that shouldn't, you know, we can make light of whatever we want. And it's my family. So I could say whatever the fuck I want. But be, that being the case, um, yes, she was um, a unwilling guest of the German government. So you know that I, I'm, you know, this kind of sense, I think this should be sensitive for everybody, regardless of what your background is, because it's, it's horrific. I mean, it's, it's horrific. Like, for example, so and by the way, I have to issue in a correction. Uh, not only Werner von Braun was essential to the program because apparently he was the chief architect of the launch vehicle for the Saturn V rocket. Okay, that enabled the missions to the moon. So a Nazi scientist literally is responsible, not contributed. He is directly responsible mm -hmm. for the success of that program. Also, this guy named Adolf uh, Busman was responsible for the swept wing, which improved aircraft performance at high speeds. Again, remember what I said at the beginning of the show, the Messerschmitt 262 was the first jet uh, aircraft ever put into war, and it was uh, a German airplane. So how about this for a controversy? So we brought the United States government brought over an individual by the name of Walter Schreiber. OK, uh, thanks to the Boston Globe, which has done tremendous work in outing terrible things such as the, uh, what I'm about to tell you, along with the Catholic sex abuse scandal that happened uh, in this country. It was courtesy of that newspaper. They actually mm -hmm. are reputable journalists that work for that uh, that outfit, as opposed to The New York Times, which has supported every single fucking war that this country has gotten into and also made apologies for Stalin and defended communism when seven million Ukrainians were being starved to death. But I digress. So this Walter Schreiber, 
was linked to human experiments conducted by Kurt Blom at Ravensbrück and he, as he immigrated to Argentina with the aid of the United States military. Okay? So somebody who committed war crimes and crimes against humanity, the United States military helped him get to Argentina. Wonderful work. Nice job, everybody. So, but yeah, I, you know, I, I hazard that I would have a hard time with this too. Just like Christopher says, if I'm going to put the black flag aside and I'm going to put myself in somebody else's shoes, if these people are standing before me, I would sleep well at night if I was the one who had to pull the trigger because these people are the scum of the earth. And I guess nobody's going to space and we're not getting a swept wing and you're not getting a Saturn V rocket, I guess. So you can blame me in an alternate universe. I moved the chair. Nobody's going to space. That's it. We're shooting all the fucking Nazis. That's what we should do. I mean, um, human well, innovation, like it, like even if you would have gotten rid of them, installed it, like where mm-hmm. there's a will, there's a way. Sure. Um, somebody else would have come up with those ideas it may have taken another decade maybe another two maybe somebody else would have came up with it just as you know relatively quickly but you know where there's a will there's a way and i think you know technology would have developed one way or another without without their involvement so yeah i I think think that's a fair point it's, it's it's the inevitable outcome we we just got there quicker by saying you know we'll 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 sweep your war crimes under the rugs come make rockets for us yeah so. that's a good point uh brian what were you gonna say i'm sorry oh i was just like for my section of this as well i was trying to think because it's like yeah like the easiest thing to do if you want it done fast if you absolutely feel like you have to go to the moon and you can't trust your own engine uh, american engineers or whomever to do it then it would be like yeah the easiest thing to do would take the guys that already were more than halfway there and round them up and listen to them. And then like the most, I guess, like considering everything that they had done, like as much as we would love to give due process, because apparently, allegedly, that's what we're all about here in this country. Like, yeah, kill them all, kill all of them uh, for the terrible things that they did to those poor people in that country. And then like take whatever they had written down, get people that can translate to read it. And it's like, I'm sure even though it's in German, they probably had their own codes for stuff. Cause I mean, they had the enigma and everything that was so hard to crack, but like, I mean, the Brit, what the British cracked that and they castrated the guy chemically that solved it. So it's like, that's a whole other can of worms. But I mean, what was so important about the space race? Why did we want to go to the moon? Like, I mean, scientifically speaking, yeah, it's an outstanding feat. It's a good thing. And for science's sake, I think, yeah, it's a good thing. We sure. should do that. But it's like, we could definitely do it on our own. Like, we had brilliant minds already at work. It's like if we could take everybody that was tasked on the Manhattan Project and move them to developing something to take us to the moon, nobody knew how to split the atom. Nobody knew how to do that. We figured it out. Going to the moon, I would argue, is probably easier than doing that. It's just a different application of the same resources, time, and energy. But if you're looking at it from like, okay, we have to beat the Russians to the moon, they already beat us to space, And if you're looking at the space race as a way to collapse the Russian economy because we think we have more money than them and we want them to tie up all their assets and infrastructure so they can't spend it all on products for war, then it's like, okay, yeah, if we're absolutely bent on beating the Russians, then we should go to the moon or find a way to have them spend a fuck ton of money, whatever. But I still think we could do that without taking the Nazis and their everything 
I'm sure we could have found a way to do that on our own. It might've looked very different because we'd have to look at what we have ready to go instead of taking and championing, championing what the Nazis had. And like, I, I don't know why that looked like the easiest thing at the time. Like they could have easily just been like, yeah, fuck these assholes. We're killing all of them. And like, even if we don't want all this stuff to go to the moon, we could burn everything. So the Russians can't fucking have it. And then boom, no one's going to the moon. Like, but I, I don't know. It just looks like clearly they thought about this for a very long time. But my reaction is if I think about this for 30 seconds, I can think of five different ways to do this. That doesn't involve taking war criminals. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, I don't know why like they thought the pragmatic ends justify the means way to do this was operation paperclip i don't know and like they must have their own secret agenda which they did and i'm sure they still do that i know nothing about and i mean like nikola tesla said you may live to see man-made horrors beyond your comprehension and i am fine with letting those be beyond my comprehension because they may disturb me more than i have ever been disturbed and i don't want to do that to myself well said i i I agree with you. So to give you President Truman's take on this, so you know, you know, he he recalled that you know, like later in his life, and by the way, in that book that I keep hawking, uh, when Truman talks about how making uh, creating the Central Intelligence Agency by the National Security Act of 1947, he said it was a big mistake because it became a government in itself. Alan Dulles literally went to Truman's house in Missouri and had a sit down with him. And strangely enough, Truman backtracked on his statements. <laughs> How powerful do you need to be where a former president who really shouldn't have anything to worry about? I mean, certainly Barack Obama cares about climate change and the rising of sea levels. That's why he bought a house on Martha's Vineyard, an island, mm. um, you know, by the ocean. But, you know, he's very concerned about the climate. But this man <laughs> lived in Missouri, who really. Missouri. Missouri where he really had not much to worry about. And Alan Dulles came and talked to him. And then all of a sudden he changed his tune on how he felt about central intelligence agency. Mm -hmm. So, um, question. Go ahead. Sorry. Does, so like, what about when Eisenhower talked about the military industrial complex during his farewell address? Did anything ever happen with that? Did he ever end up backing that off or backing off of that and like That's warning, warning everybody like, Hey, corporations have found a way to be making profits off of war machines. And that's bad because now there's a vested interest in going to war. I remember him saying that cause I watched it. Like, obviously I wasn't there, but like not, he never ended up backing that up, up or anything. No, he never backed off of that. And I think that Ike was such a popular figure as being, I think nobody has ranked higher than him in the United States military, with the exception of George Washington. Okay. They, they posthumously made Washington like a six-star general or some shit like that to where nobody could ever outrank him again. No one could fly a flag higher than the flag of the United States, like that kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. That, did you ever hear the story behind that whole thing? So, like, flag dipping, right? What we uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> so, this what happened was the Olympics were taking place in London. I think it was in the 20s. Uh, and um, they, they, they would dip the flag in, while you walked past the king, right, to show respect or whatever. And apparently one of the athletes, I think he was an Irish, uh, an Irish athlete that became an Irish-American that um, obviously didn't have a very strong opinion of the king, told the flag bearer, if you dip the flag in front of this king, I'm going to break both of your fucking arms. And he didn't. <laughs> 
And then when he um, when he was confronted as to why he didn't do it, and he was like, talk to that guy. He threatened to like, you know, break my arms. And the guy says that our flag doesn't bow before any earthly king. And thus the magic sky cloth has gained uh, its power, uh, even greater power, Super Saiyan power. Um, but Ike was popular enough. The magic sky cloth. You know what the thing is, too, is like, here's the thing. I'm totally indifferent with what you want to do with it. it. It is just a piece of cloth. I understand that it's here's I was talking about this with my son once. So like, you know, all this stuff where they're not standing for the flag and they're kneeling for kneeling and, you know, uh, to bring attention to, you know, the horrible atrocities that are committed by the cops. Mm-hmm. If I'm once again, if I'm going to put on my 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 hat and, and, and try to understand where they're coming from to wear their cap or stand in their shoes or what have you. The last thing I'd want to do is piss off that audience to where they're not going to listen to me. And as soon as you start mistreating the, the sky cloth, people tune you out. Whatever message, no matter how valid it is, they're not going to listen to you. As soon as you shit on the flag or, or talk shit about the police or whatever, which obviously we have no problem doing, okay? But for Mr. and Mrs. America, the average person, that automatically turns them off. If you're looking to get your message across, I think that being... Uh, taking such a, a symbol, like I, I get it, like Marines and the Army guys that were fighting in, in the Second World War, they weren't dying for the flag, okay? They were fighting and dying for each other because they were thrusted into these situations. I understand that. They weren't like, you know, charging a, a machine gun nest saying, this is for the stars and stripes. That doesn't fucking happen. It doesn't happen. But afterward, if all they have to remember those people by is a flag, then I can understand the importance that they would associate with it. Exactly. That's why I don't think it's a a viable target to at least change. Like, it's shock value to not do those things, the the rituals of worshiping it. Sure, go ahead. Depends on what you're trying to do, man. Like, if you're trying to win somebody over, like, it's all about contextual, you know, reading the context of the situation. So if you're Mm -hmm. trying to reason with somebody you know it's best to go for the softer approach and then once again like if you know somebody's just going to be adversarial no matter what you do just fucking poke the bear man (laughs) yeah you're absolutely right poke that fucking bear you know you got to nail your colors to the mast and and go for it but yeah i i I do think that Ike was popular enough. And by that time, by 1961, I think the intelligence agency had pretty much taken over. The wheels were already in motion in Vietnam. Uh, The wheels were already in motion for uh, implementing Truman's containment. We already just the the country just got out of war in uh, in the Koreas, which is still technically in a state of war. But active combat had just recently wrapped up. The intelligence agency had already the community, excuse me, had already taken over, in my opinion. That's just my guess. But I think Ike on his way out. And being as popular as being, you know, the supreme allied commander during the Second World War, that he was probably a little bit too far up to be fucked with, I guess. On Truman wasn't popular. Like, look at Truman's popularity when he decided uh, not to run for re-election. Like, he was wildly unpopular. People did not like him at all. Okay, uh, he barely won real um, election against uh, Dewey. Uh, what was it in nineteen? 19- shit i can't remember my history's failing me right now but um anyway he law he barely beat dewey to the point where like there's famous pictures where these newspaper uh, outlets had printed dewey wins 
Yeah, because that was him holding it up, right? It was Truman, like, like, hi, like, yeah. Like, in your face, like, you guys got it wrong. But, like, he barely squeaked it out, like. Yeah, it was a close one. Okay. It was definitely a close one. But he was wildly unpopular by the time he left office. I think Ike still enjoyed some popular support, far more than Truman, at least. And also, even if people didn't like him as a politician, as being a Republican politician, which he was barely really conservative. I mean, he was more middle, I would consider middle of the road. But uh, I, I think that uh, being the supreme allied commander and responsible for the victory of the United States in Europe is a huge deal. So I don't I think he was pretty untouchable by that point. But um, when John Kennedy comes into office and is trying to make all these changes, including reining in the CIA. Well, guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> As uh, what was what's his name? Uh, with the, the dude from uh, not Joe Bananas. What's the guy with the it's in jail? Joe Bananas. Jeffrey. Joe Bananas. No, the guy from Tiger King or whatever it is. Oh, uh, oh fucking Joe fuck. Exotic. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Bananas. Joe Bananas. That's I, I got that stuck in my head. I'm like, yeah, so that's my friend fucking Joey Bananas over there. That's a real person, you guys. Fucking what Joey, what Joey, Joey Bananas. bananas. Remember, was it the Sopranos? Where the B-A-N-A-N-A-S. John Joey Chimbo. Bananas. Or whatever the fuck. With them fucking big old fucking banana grabbing mitts, you know, it's fucking Joey Bananas. Holy shit. Man peels a banana like he's stroking a cock. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he is a real person. Thank you. Jo- Joe Bananas. <laughs> Joseph Banano. That's close. Also known as Joe Bananas. Joe Bananas. Okay, that's what his nickname he's was. He's Italian. Um, He was... uh. Blah, 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 blah. Joe fucking bananas. He was in the mafia. Yeah. He was a crime boss. Can you believe that reporting to a guy named Bananas? Yeah, I've got to talk to Joe Bananas about this thing with the first guy and the other guy. You know, I mean, what do you want from me? Joe, hey, did you talk to Joe Bananas yet? You know, it's, it's so innocuous, though. Of it's the, like of the Banano crime family. That's even better. Banano Bananas of the Banano crime family. It's. You have to pronounce it like this. Afghanistan, like that fucking Afghanistan. Banano. Microprocessors. The Banano family. Fucking Joey Bananas. Joey Bananas. Joey Bananas. I told you guys that he was real. Like, don't make me fucking slap you with a goddamn banana peel because I swear I will. You imagine getting threatened? Hey, listen, hey, Paulie, if you don't start putting more fucking money in the envelope, we're going to call Joe Bananas. Yeah. He's going to go ape shit. Joey Bananas. (laughs) There it is. Yes. He's going to go bananas. Um, I forget where I was going with all. Oh man, uh, yeah. Uh, we we talked bananas. about we <laughs> talked about Ike. We talked about JFK coming in and the CIA getting reined in, and they weren't going to have it. And then Joey Bananas. And then yeah, Joey Bananas. It was. So the CIA did not want to be reined in. No, and they murdered. Uh, they murdered uh, uh, John Kennedy <laughs> in front of everybody. I can't believe his head just did that. Like it's I like you know what I mean like. Listen, man. It just like exploded I said, on its own. I, yeah. Let me tell you something. Like I said in the last show, I don't cry over sp- uh, over spilled politicians very easily at all, <laughs> except for this one. Except for this one. That Ugh. that's tough to watch. And like I told, like we were having a group chat about this. 
out of all the people there, Governor Conley and his wife, they ducked. Uh, the driver, obviously, I guess, had to duck. And, you know, after he slowed down, you know, for whatever reason, <laughs> five miles an hour, potentially so somebody could get a good shot at the moving target. The photographers, you know, like Jackie fucking Kennedy doesn't give a fuck that somebody's throwing lead at her husband. She's climbing onto the back of the car to pick up pieces of his brain and his skull to, and, and you know, to help her husband. That woman has balls of fucking iron. Like I tell you, she's the toughest one. She she is the toughest one in that fucking uh, in that Zapruder film. Everybody else was was fucking taking cover and not her. And, and that Chanel dress of hers covered in her husband's brain matter. What a fucking day! Like what a fucking day! Out of all the fucking politicians you had to whack, CIA. That's the guy you go for. Jesus Christ! Linda Johnson is a fucking war criminal, but that fits right because that's who they want on their team. War criminals. God damn. Now I'm upset. That's terrible. Nothing um, but war criminals. It's the fact that this is glossed over, that it's at least like if we know there's there's a lot of people in academia I could tell you that know about this. Yeah. And it's justified because of the situation with the Soviet Union. Yeah. But what, I had a oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I had a teacher in high school that literally wrote a book on it. Well, it was part of a book that he wrote. It was more about J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI and like all the shady shit that he was doing. But he yeah. touches on the Kennedy assassination. And what? Uh, fuck, what was the tie in? Oh, my God. Anyway. Oh, yeah. We, we glossed over it like it was nothing. But it's like the whole time he's teaching this unit. He's like, I promise you, this is like one of the most important things I'm ever going to teach you about. But all of us were dumb as shit in high school. And we're like, okay, like you've talked about it all year. And now we're here. And you're still fucking talking about it. And we're fucking tired of hearing about it. And we know you wrote a book and it's really good. And it's like, now I really want to read it. But like, two, it's like, they, he said in like 2015, a bunch of shit was supposed to get declassified. Cause like they released dates where it's like, oh yeah, all the papers we have about the JFK assassination are going to come out. And just like the Patriot Act that gets renewed and they're like, oh, we're pushing it back. We're moving the goalposts. Like, oh, you'll have it. And then eventually like anybody who gave a shit's going to be dead before they fucking release this shit, <laughs> if they ever release it. And then everyone's going to be so far removed that even if somebody wanted to do something about it, there's nobody left to be held accountable. What's interesting that you're absolutely right. And what's interesting, again, in that book, de Gaulle was uh, there was an assassination attempt on Charles de Gaulle, who was the president of France. And when Kennedy was murdered, he he was like, I, I think that they, they you know, that the CIA tried to kill me, too. You know, like it's it's what in that I don't want to give a lot away, but there was almost a coup d'etat with the military in France against de Gaulle. And it just so happened that some dirty American hands were uh, in the cookie jar over there and mm -hmm. want to quote our allies. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's wild stuff. That book is totally worth your time. Uh, Paul, I'm not buying it for you until you finish the other two that I got for you already. Um, I love you, buddy, but you got to check out those two books before you can get another book out of the, uh, the Jake hello library, um, you know, for free. But anyway, um, uh, what was, uh, oh, by the way, we had a, a fan right into the show. So I want to give a quick shout out to Jeff, formerly from Michigan, uh, which we will forgive him for, just like he has forgiven us for being from Ohio, mm -hmm. even though, Jeff, I love you, pal, but there is nothing to forgive about uh, Ohio. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but you guys have legal reefer up there, which is great. We don't have legal reefer, and that's not stopped anybody. So it really doesn't. They also have Detroit, though. So. You do have Detroit up there, but they have the <laughs> they have the UP. They got the better end of that stupid fucking war. We got fucking Toledo, and those sons of bitches got fucking the Upper Peninsula, which I which I've seen is beautiful. So um, good to them, but uh, good for them, Jeff. Thank you very much for writing into the show. I really appreciate it. And this, um, you know, what we're going to talk about, you know, the topic that you kind of shared with us also, he wanted us to, he wanted to let us know, and I'm going to be reading from the email that he sent in uh, that um, one of his relations um, from, I guess is uh, in-laws is a state cop in the state of Michigan. And when asked directly about going house to house to quote, collect guns, uh, he stated that he has he, he has a pension to worry about, so hopefully he doesn't go to anyone's house he knows. So this is yet more confirmation what we've been telling you and what we've known all along. Mm-hmm. But now we really it's solidified far more than it was prior to that statement. These people like we've said it for the long. I, it, I don't think the United States Marine Corps is going to do it. I don't think the fucking army is going to do it. But the cops, the cops are most certainly going to do it. So Maybe not all of them, but enough of them. Perhaps the ones that matter the most will go ahead and do it. So I want to thank him very much for, um, for writing into the show. We've gotten some awesome emails lately. Obviously, you know about Elliot writing into the show. We, we've corresponded with him several times. Uh, really smart man, really smart individual, really enjoy chatting with him. Of course, Comrade Klaus has been on the show several times. Very busy guy right now. Um, and of course, our friend behind Enemy Lines of Portland. We couldn't forget about you. California Brian, deep in the asshole of communism. Out in the desert, our friend there. Uh, grateful. And, you know, like I told Jeff, and no offense to our listeners where I'm about to tell you, know, no offense to you guys, but at least Michigan isn't New Jersey. So there's that. You got that going for you. And I could say that with authority because I'm from there. So, um, but thankfully I don't live there. Um, no offense to the listeners. You should get the fuck out. Pennsylvania is not that far away. And it is, it's like moving from North Korea to South Korea. Okay. Get the fuck out of New Jersey. Okay. Get it. As my friend, Sally Agora says, get out of the slave States, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we wrap up, I'm going to turn it over to angel and then Christopher and then Brian, and then, uh, we'll, uh, close up the shop. So please go ahead. So, um, continuing with the, the CIA, um, hopefully we'll have some episodes, um, coming up in regards to specific CIA, um, projects. So if anybody is interested, um, in hearing about one that maybe you haven't had a a chance to check out, please send via email and we'll do our best to look into it and, uh, report back on a show. That's it. All right, Christopher, do you have anything? Nope, no news, no new news, I should say, on my behalf. So, we got a, a punk rock show coming up though next uh, month, which I'm very excited yes, for. October 29th, we'll be playing in Crackrin, Crackrin, Ohio. Wonderful place. I'm there every At- day. Akron, for those listeners that aren't from Ohio and don't understand <laughs> why we call Akron Crackrin, but. <laughs> Well, if you visit, you'll understand. Yeah. Right? You'll understand completely. Right. Especially if you go to the right parts of the city. Yes. <laughs> Truly. Somewhere Truly. under a bridge. <laughs> Somewhere under a bridge. Somewhere by Jay's loading dock. Uh, it's amazing. 
to say or anywhere by the University of Akron. <laughs> yeah, where all the kids go to school and can right? see people shooting heroin around that college are horrible. Yeah, well, in fact, uh, there was a murder that took place last week, and an 18-year-old girl is dead. Um, her first name was Maya. Um, she was murdered on the south side of Exchange Street during a party. So there is an 18-year-old girl who was an art major. Somebody who potentially could have inspired people with uh, what she, her gifts, uh, and she is no longer among the living because some piece of shit uh, decided to shoot up a party, and she happened to be in the way. She was pronounced dead on the scene. So um, not good. Not good. And everybody and their sister. My sister used to live on Power Street, which is south of Exchange, where all of this fucking hobnobbery happens all the time it's not even a secret it would this was she lived on that side of, of town 21 fucking years ago and it was bad then it was bad then it is worse now and of course the community leaders are coming out talking about gun violence oh oh okay sure that's what it is right that's what it is it's not the fucking landlords who allow dilapidated houses to be rented out at fucking uh 800 bucks a month so if you have six people living in there splitting the rent that way it's real cheap you should see it Brian knows what I'm talking about. He's been through those neighborhoods. They're fucking yeah, shit. I, I They're lived awful. in one of them in college, and it was like I'd wake up in the middle of the night to take my dog outside, and you'd hear gunshots and be like, eh, like happens every fucking night, like whatever. That's and it. it's like literally that was the shittiest mentality to have, but it's like that's just where I lived. And it was like everybody All right. Yeah, like I left people alone. I they were I was lucky enough that they left me alone, and then I went about my business until I moved out. And I, I could see the university from where I lived. I could see the buildings. Like that's how close I was, and that yep. shit was happening. Yep, you're 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 a couple of stones throw away from. Um, I'm not too far away from where that happened, where I work. Uh, but my bridge is um, a little bit further up, where the heroin addicts uh, live. And you know, there's a um, there's another uh, bridge close to where I uh, I work, where it's close to this um, particular humanitarian organization that throws you out after eight o'clock if you don't want to do lights out and shower and not do drugs they go under the bridge they eat and then they go under the bridge and then they get high on heroin so wonderful city of akron wonderful city um but that's where the punk rock show is going to be and i'm going to be there mm -hmm. um because um we roll heavy wherever we go so we're not worried about any of that we also know what areas to go into and what areas not to go into been doing this for a long time so there's a lot of beautiful places in the city of Akron. There's no question about it. But a lot of a lot of places in that town are a fucking hazard. But um, I'm looking forward to Christopher's show. I'm hoping it's a Halloween dress up show because I definitely want to go with something perhaps satanic and evil. Um, I'm really looking forward to it to get into the festivities, to get into the fun of it. Um, I'm looking forward to that. So, Brian, uh, do you have anything before we uh, wrap up? Uh there's a, uh, I'm trying to think, there's a lot of stuff going on with me right now. And uh, I'm currently in the process of getting my shit together, dealing with a lot of family shit. Uh, I'll have to, I'd be happy to talk to you guys off the air about it as well to kind of prep for the stuff that I'm going to have to do in order to get my life together. Cause uh, I'm anticipating a move coming up in the near future and it's going to be a lot of work, but it's work that needs to be done. So uh, there might be a time in the near future where I'll be off the air for a little bit, a few episodes probably, but rest assured, I'll be back. And I'm going to be working on a lot of my own material to help get a business that I'm working on off the ground. So if you guys want to follow along with that, I'll be, I'll be taking a break from social media from, I'm going to try to break 
free from the internet for a while too, and just do a lot of stuff on my own and then come back with new material and come back ready to swing for the fences. So uh, please just be patient and know that I'm doing the best that I can. And I want to bring the best stuff that I have to you guys, you guys, and uh, this community, because you guys are my friends, you guys are my family, and you guys inspire the hell out of me. And I'm ready to contribute more of what I have to all of that. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And I'm excited to see where it goes. So just stay tuned. Outstanding. Um, I, uh, I appreciate that. And I'm sure that our audience uh, wishes you nothing but the best. Uh, you got to take care of yourself first before you could do anything else in life. I think that that's critical and you have to get into the right spot, both, both physically and mentally in order for you to perform at your best. So I, I, we all wish you the best. Of course, this is not uh, yet quite yet goodbye, but just letting you guys know that there's, you know, he's, uh, he's going to be off the radar for a little bit. Yeah, it's not, project. it's not goodbye. It's more like uh, Alf Wiedersehen. <laughs> it's more like I'll see you later. <laughs> oh, man, keeping with the theme. Um, <laughs> well, I was quoting Django Unchained. I'm not a Nazi. Um, <laughs> we know that. What a great movie that was. Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites. So I, um, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. You know, there's been some stuff. I don't know. You guys, like, I, I get on a Twitter just a little bit to shit on really bad comments with my your post sucks fuck you um that's what i'm known for that's what i that's what i love to do uh real quick some of you guys i don't really know how you give so much of your time to that platform and my another shout out has to go to our friend ace who is a fucking black belt champion uh, a professor of anarchism and explaining things and th like the, the man is I don't know how he sleeps. I think he's a vampire. It's <laughs> no rest. He is just consistently fucking educating people. I really am a huge fan of his. And he's been on our show a couple of times. I'd love to get him back on here and just chat with him. He's one of the smartest people I've ever encountered on that platform. And there's quite a few of them. Um, but, you know, man, like, you know, the, the, the constant struggle every day with the fucking black pill and being cynical and not acknowledging how life is this, you know, fun adventure. I mean, sometimes it's a real shitty one. Sometimes you get a flat tire in the middle of the desert and there's a rattlesnake that bit you on the ass. It's not a fun adventure sometimes. Uh, but Twitter really is a cesspool. <laughs> and I'm really doing the best I can to stay off of there. And by the way, those of you who are not following the Facebook page, shame on you. You should throw some fucking likes at it, please. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Um, I almost feel like this podcast needs a fucking addendum. Like um, like Tim, D like Tim Dillon says, an addendum to the original podcast, because sometimes I feel like there isn't enough time for me or I forget something or as soon as uh, Angel ends the show, I'm like, shit, I forgot to bring this up or shit. I forgot to do that. You but, write that stuff down. Uh, sometimes I do. But then usually by the time I get off of here, I'm, I'm going heading up to the dinner and I lose focus on everything, because if I know that there's <laughs> fucking pasta and pizza upstairs, I mean, I don't give a fuck. It could be the most brilliant thing I ever thought of. I'm going for the pizza pie. I'm, I'm just, I'm a, I'm, I'm a sick man. What can I say? But um, Wait, That's brilliant. Deleted. All right, let's go eat. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. But, uh, you know, man, like, you know, guys, I, I just got to tell you something, man. It might be time for me to take a break from that website. Logged in today and I shit on a couple of people who deserved it because there were some really awful takes and it has to be done. And it, and it makes it, it there's a little bit of uh, of 
serotonin and dopamine that I get out of, you know, alerting people to the fact that they said something incredibly stupid. Uh, but at the same time, man, it's not everything that there is to life. In fact, I applaud Brian for being able to uh, plan at least and hopefully execute being able to, you know, unplug and allow because I think, you know, a lot of these things are distractions, too, because like I said, like pizza pie distracts me. Uh, well, there's a lot of distractions on the Internet where I literally it's kind of like um, when you go into a room where and then you stand there for a second, you're like, fuck, I, I forgot <laughs> what I was looking for, what I was going to do in here. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what happens to me when I get on the internet. I'm like, I'm going to look this up. And next thing you know, I'm trying to find out why Kurt Cobain uh, used a particular shotgun to blow his head off instead of the, you know, or like if he really did, or if it was Courtney Love, we're not so sure. And I'm like, this is totally not what I went to look up. And I totally forgot what I went to look up. So I'm looking at Kurt, uh, at, uh, at Kurt Cobain's, uh, uh, you know, obituary, whatever the fuck it is. You know, I just get easily distracted because this yeah. is a huge distraction. So that's... Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just want to say that's one of the things that I really want to investigate because it's like for so much time now, I've heard people talk about how bad social media is and how bad the Internet is. And it's kind of like a little science experiment for myself. I know it's going to be incredibly hard because I spend way too much time on my phone and on the Internet every day. But it's like there was a time when none of this existed and people still functioned fine. So I'm thinking if I can take like a month. Yeah, exactly. So it's like <laughs> if I can take a month and not use any of that shit, like even if I have my phone and it's like not connected to the Internet, not using data, I just go through the pictures and like notes and stuff that I have on there. And it's like, what can I use these for? And then it's like when I come back, then I'll be much more focused. And it's like if I can find a way to use social media and the Internet for good for creative purposes and not get caught up in all the bullshit, all the ads that are like framing whatever you're trying to look at that are like flashing and popping up left and right. Like it's because every day I pick up my phone and I'm like, okay, I need to look something up. And then 20 minutes later, it's like you black out, like men in black just wiped your memory. Right. And exactly. Like, and it's just like, what the fuck exactly. am I looking at? And what was I even here to do? And I'm so tired of that happening because it just becomes a huge waste of my time. And my time is very important to me. And I realize that I'm the only one that is truly capable of wasting my time. So I need to stop mm -hmm. and come back when I can be responsible with my time. I think that that's a wonderful approach, you know, and what it was that really triggered, like triggered this thought process in my mind. I think that the, first of all, I, I'm in love with Tim Dillon. Uh, I think Tim Dillon is probably the George Carlin of our time. Um, I don't even think Joe Rogan is that funny of a comedian. He's funny, but I don't think he's that funny. No, he's not. I think Tim Dillon is literally George Carlin of the modern era. And I absolutely adore his, like, because remember what Oscar Wilde said? If you're going to tell the truth, make people laugh or they'll kill you. Um, <laughs> that's what um, that's what Tim Dillon does. And the bottom line here, folks, like he got, he was talking about how people worship celebrity and politicians and all this other shit. Like Twitter, the same shit. You're going to die someday. You're, you know, the United States of America is going to be one in a long list of countries that used to exist at one point in time and don't exist anymore. They come and go. There's countless civilizations that have come and gone that we're never going to know because they didn't write shit down. But I'm telling you right now, don't like, like the illusion told us, you know, don't waste your time. Start using your time getting free. And I'm not talking about, revolution or you know in in minecraft of course i think or excuse me in gta uh you you know how if you guys you guys know what we're talking about here 
But don't, you're wasting my time on Twitter and arguing with people. And maybe it's not a waste of time for the individual who's trying to educate somebody because they feel like they're making a difference. And I think that that's fine. But for me, it's like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, we, you, you're going to die eventually. You're going to run out of fucking minutes. Did I mean, did you win the did you win the Facebook argument with your boomer cousin or, you know, your aunt or uncle or, you know, some of these people who, you know, will fucking shoot you for like, you know, dipping the flag in front of somebody like it's not worth your time. Like, I mean, I I, I actually have to write reminders to read books instead of to get on this goddamn phone. And next thing you know, I'm on Twitter and I'm, I'm following an argument that I had nothing to do with that was not a part of my day. And I'm just like. Oh, well, let's see what so-and-so said. Ooh, that's a good comeback. Ooh, look at this stupid person. They don't it's know drama. What it's about. drama with an algorithm, man. And they they know yeah. it refines itself to you. I agree. And I got to get better about that. I think Instagram is great for sharing pictures and shit like that. I think that that's awesome. Um, but other <laughs> than that, I think the rest of it is a cockamamie flaming pile of horse shit. Anyway, getting into our sponsorship, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank the following sponsors. I paint Akron. The Northeast Ohio part, uh, art parties where all accidents are happy accidents. Also, another sponsor, our new one, Team Mandalore, Keeping Cycling Weird. Uh, you can check them out on our website or they'll be in the show notes as our sponsor. Of course, Ray Faba, uh, an amazing artist uh, from the Great Lakes, fine art and design. Please check out her work. But um, ladies and gentlemen, as you well know, fall is here. Cool weather today in the, uh, in the Buckeye State where mm-hmm. we live. A little bit rainy this morning, but it was wonderful weather, at least for me. Um, But don't let cold weather fool you. The stinks, the smells, the terrible, you know, dung ditch areas of your body, the under boob, the fat folds, uh, your asshole, your vagina, all these things will still smell bad regardless of the temperature outside. Because as you sweater as me, you're working on the dock and you're unloading trucks and doing things. Perhaps you work in logistics and transportation. You get trucker's ass from sitting on your ass for so long. You didn't wipe properly. You're starting to get the funk in there. It's disgusting. You went from Omaha, Nebraska, all the way to Pittsburgh. You haven't had a shower. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where my friend Todd comes into play. Okay? If you do have a dirty undercarriage, if you have that under tit sweat, you have the fat fold sweat, Todd can help with that. If you have the Delta variant inside of your asshole, Todd the gay can help with that with his awesome gay soap, Akron Apothecary, homemade soap. I'm going to see Todd on Saturday. We're going to see what flavors we're working on. Please consider supporting him. Don't consider it. Just fucking do it. Don't be a homophobe. Uh, We don't like people who don't like gay people. You know, please take care of Todd. Take care of your ass. Todd wants to take care of your asshole. He wants to take care of your, he wants to take care of, of your body and smell good for that special someone or some ones. If you're into the swinging lifestyle with the pineapple thing, if you're into that sort of thing, I fully support it. Not my cup of tea, but whatever, but don't do it when you smell like shit. Let Todd help you smell good. Let Todd make sure that your cock balls, your undercarriage, everything, the dung ditch is smelling absolutely crystal clear, clean, beautiful, gay soap, cold press, homemade soap from gay hands to your ass. Because it's soap for that ass. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe and hit that alert button. The bell, you know, the, the Nazi bell thing that uh, that NASA was working on. That's where that comes from on YouTube. <laughs> Die Glock. <laughs> yes. Guys, hit that uh, hit that alert button and don't forget to subscribe across all podcatchers. We appreciate your support. If you're on iTunes, give us a good review. Um, I love you guys. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Even if there were only five of you, we'd still do it because this is a chance to talk to the closest people in my life 
and um, and have a good conversation. So if you have anything, use guys in that at gmail.com. If you want to talk to us, like our friend Jeff did, uh, anything you want to talk about, topics, suggestions, please uh, send it our way. And uh, don't forget to shop for Todd's Gay Soap. Okay. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you real soon. Bye.